I am Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, we're going to be looking at how to have victory over meltdowns. Do you know what I mean when I say meltdown? A lot of times if we work with kids or if you're a mom, you've seen children have meltdowns where those emotions just come to the surface and they just give in to whatever uh, frustration or anger or disappointment or sadness, and they just kind of melt down. And I used to notice when I was a mom of several young kids at home that I was really prone to what I called mommy meltdowns, where maybe I wouldn't throw a tantrum on the floor like one of my kids might be doing, but my emotions would come to the surface and I would allow those emotions to take over and control my actions, my words. And if you've ever had any kind of a meltdown in your own life, it usually comes in the form of giving into stress and self-pity and just wallowing in your circumstances and complaining about them and yelling at your, your children, yelling at your husband if you're stressed out or maybe being moody, storming around the house, slamming doors or ignoring people, you know, having a very short fuse, ignoring people, avoiding people, giving people a silent treatment if you're mad at them. And sometimes we look at those actions as just a normal part of being female. And I've even heard people say that, you know, because of hormones and emotions and all of these things, we're just sort of victims to giving into meltdowns from time to time. But when you look at scripture, you see that one of the Fruits of the Spirit is self-control, and that means bringing self, bringing your emotions and your flesh under the control of the Spirit of God, and not letting your emotions control you, but allowing your emotions to be controlled by God's Spirit and by truth. When I had four children at home, four years old and under, I often felt like I was running a daycare, and there were so many moments when I felt so prone to giving into a mommy meltdown. Now, maybe you're not a mom, but you have a stressful job, or you're in a very intense situation with school or ministry, and you can relate to those days when things just always seem to be going wrong, everything hits you at once, and stress is just hounding you, and you have to make a choice in those moments whether to just give into the stress and let your emotions control you, or to exercise godly self-control, but that can be much easier said than done in the circumstances. I remember a moment when it was two days before our two toddlers were about to come home from Haiti. We were about to pick them up at the airport, and we were really on the cusp of this major life-changing event of bringing two more children into our family. And Eric was out of town. He and Hudson had gone to pick up the children in Florida. And I was home with the other kids. They were all really whiny and having all sorts of behavior issues. And I was trying to get the house ready and everything ready. I was also a few days away from speaking at a conference. So it was just a stressful time. And our dog ate a huge brownie and had to be taken to the vet. They had to do this emergency procedure and it didn't go well. And I remember loading all the kids back in the car and having our dog just like make a huge disaster in the car the moment that we got in. And it was, it would have been comical if I wasn't already so stressed out. It was to the point where it's like, I don't even know how to drive home. And I had kids like sitting on each other's laps, trying to double buckle to avoid the mess. And I thought, you know, this is something I just can't handle. And usually that is what's going through our mind when we hit a really stressful situation. We think, I can't handle this. And we start to agree with that voice. I can't handle it. So we agree with the idea that we should give in to our emotions, that we should really wallow in our own self-pity. We should snap at other people because we're stressed out. We should 
just go hysterical. And (laughs) that's the temptation sitting right in front of us. I had to make a, a conscious effort in that moment when I felt like my world was just in chaos to say, Lord, I can't handle this, but you can. I remember a time when my son Kip was about two years old and he was in his car seat in the back as we were driving down the road. And for some reason, the car seat must have come unbuckled from the main base. And so he tipped over when I made a turn, he tipped over. He was still in his car seat, but the the whole car seat was tipped sideways. So he was just laying there on his side and he was totally fine, but it, it scared him. And he was yelling from the back seat, I can't handle this. I can't handle this over and over this little two-year-old. It was really heartbreaking and cute and funny. And I was trying really hard not to laugh because I knew he was fine, but I couldn't pull over. It was a couple minutes before I could really pull over safely and get him situated again. And he the whole time he was screaming, I can't handle this. I can't handle this. And it just reminded me of a lot of uh, moments when I had been inwardly saying the same things. When my kids were in that stage of being four, four and under, and also right when our two youngest from Haiti first came home, I noticed that stressful situations would come to the surface, not when things were going well and smoothly, but always when we were already under pressure. We already were under deadlines. We were running late. We were Somebody was sick. Uh, we couldn't find something that we really needed. And then some big crisis would happen, uh, whether for, for me with my little kids, whether it was like finding you know, somebody had shoved toys down the toilet and backed up the plumbing. Or I remember seeing our kitchen table that we had just bought maybe a few months earlier, totally carved up with a fork. One of our kids had decided to do some artwork on the kitchen table. And I remember a moment trying to get my two youngest, Reese and Lily, to sleep one night and walking in there after this big, long 30-minute process of putting them to bed. And they were both out of bed and they had found diaper cream and smeared it all over their face, all over their bodies. All you could see was their eyes. And that took about an hour to get (laughs) them cleaned up. It was so sticky on their skin. And those are the kind of things like they could be funny, but they're usually just they don't happen at a good time. And for me, that's usually when I start to lose it and my emotions start to get the better of me. But one thing I want to look at in this podcast, when we give into those kind of emotional meltdowns in the in the stress of the moment, are those, is that a normal response? Is that just part of being female? Is it just part of being a mom? Is it just part of being a woman? Or do we have the ability through the power of God to gain victory over those moments where we let our emotions take over? Is there a different way that we can choose to walk? If you're a mom, obviously you're probably teaching your children not to let their emotions control them. It says in Romans 2.21, you who teach another, do you not also teach yourself? And what a great lesson for those of us who are raising kids or working with kids or teaching others how to have self-control and not just throw a tantrum and scream and throw things and let our emotions take over. But a lot of times we need to look at our own lives and say, am I doing that same thing? Am I giving into meltdowns and emotions taking over and self-pity, but just doing it from a more adult perspective. It really doesn't do much good for us to discipline our children for letting their emotions get out of control when we're doing the very same thing on a daily basis. It's so tempting to believe that we have no choice but to act on our feelings of frustration or defeat, but that's the opposite of godly self-control. 
when we bring self under the control of God's spirit, choosing the higher path, that godly self-control, that calm and that peace amidst all circumstances is entirely possible. But it's not possible through our own willpower. It's only possible by the enabling grace of God. My favorite quote from Elizabeth Elliott, and I'm sure I've quoted before on this podcast, but it fits so perfectly with this topic. She wrote, obedience to God is always possible. It is a deadly error to fall into the notion that when feelings are extremely strong, we can do nothing but act on them. That is so well said, because when you see a little child throwing a tantrum, that's exactly what they're doing. Their feelings are extremely strong, and they think that they have no choice but to act on those feelings and throw themselves on the ground kicking and screaming. And when we as women do the same thing, we feel like we have no choice but to stomp around the house and slam doors and yell at people and give them the silent treatment or go online and vent our frustrations with other people on our Facebook page. We feel like, well, I have no choice because my feelings are so strong. But the enabling grace of God gives us the power to walk in godly self-control and bring those emotions under the control of God's spirit. And the best piece of advice that I could ever give someone who's struggling with letting their emotions get the better of them is to stop asking the question, how do I feel about this? And to start asking the question, what does God say about this? When you approach a stressful situation or a moment of chaos and you immediately consult your emotions, you're on the fast track to a meltdown, whatever that looks like for you personally. But when you say, okay, this is a stressful situation, but what does God say? about this. You start meditating on God's promises. You start remembering that his word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You start remembering the grace of God that enables you to obey him no matter what, and you realize you don't have to let those emotions take over. The key truth to remember is that no matter what trial we may be facing, small or big, God's truth is unchanging. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So in those moments when we're thinking, I cannot handle this, he is ready and waiting to infuse us with his strength. Because even though we can't handle it and we can't walk in godly self-control in those moments, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. He can enable us to obey him in those moments. I had to walk through that season of my life with four young children at home and really learn this lesson of leaning on God's grace, even in the most stressful times. Right before we started our discipleship training program called Ellerslie, it seemed like everything in our life was completely falling apart. And I've shared in other podcasts that we realized a lot of that was spiritual attack because of the ministry that we were stepping into. But we had four kids, four and under, two of them were babies, three of them were in diapers, two of them were in high chairs. We had just moved into a new house. We were trying to purchase a Bible college campus to launch our new training ministry, but it was a very stressful process, and there was a lot of drama surrounding the purchase of that campus. No papers were signed yet, and the owners kept backing out of wanting to sell it to us, but we still had all these students coming in a few weeks. It was a very stressful situation. We had a very small staff. We had really no financial support with what we were doing. We were still trying to fulfill speaking commitments. So we were traveling around the country and speaking while attempting to start this Bible college training program. Around that same time, we had a septic back up in our house. So our entire lower level of the house was totally um, uninhabitable. We, We actually had to leave our house for two weeks, live in a hotel, 
our kids were all getting sick. They were on breathing treatments and medication, and it was a really, really intense time. On top of all that, we started to experience some betrayal from people that we trusted and support that we had always leaned on just being stripped away, not financial support, but but just emotional and friendship support was being stripped away from us. We even received threats from people who wanted to stop our ministry and you know, basically telling us that they would do this and that if we didn't back down from starting this discipleship training program. It was a really, really interesting time in life. And I remember walking into the bedroom one day and just being completely overwhelmed with emotion, completely overcome with fear, with self-pity, with frustration, wanting so desperately to give into that meltdown where I just kind of let the emotions take over. And I felt God so clearly say to me, I have given you everything that you need to walk victoriously through this. And my response, of course, was, I can't handle this. I can't handle all these things hitting me at once. And his response to me was, I can. You may not be able to, but I can give it to me. Let me carry these burdens. I can handle this. And as we were feeling so attacked from the enemy and just feeling like we couldn't possibly withstand any more blows to our life, the promise that God gave us was Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And as we entrusted our cares to God and said, okay, Lord, we can't handle this, but you can, we started to see that promise really become true in our lives. God began to do so many amazing miracles and show himself faithful in impossible situations. We signed the papers on that campus a couple days before our first students arrived. It was just in the nick of time and we saw God come through and just be so faithful. Even the first opening banquet that we had for our discipleship training program we saw the faithfulness of God because we had this journal entry that we really wanted to read that night to the students that had come. And all of our belongings were just piled floor to ceiling because of this septic backup. And I thought there is no way we're ever going to be able to find that journal. But we prayed and we went down there and the first plastic bin that we opened right laying on the top was the journal that we were looking for. And it was so powerful to see that we were still in the palm of God's hands. It's really important to recognize when you're going through different difficult things, that grace is more than just the hug or the mercy of God. It's the enabling power to do what we cannot do on our own. So in that quote from Elizabeth Elliot, where she says, obedience to God is always possible, no matter how strong our feelings are, we don't need to act on those feelings. We can act out of obedience to God. What she's referring to is the grace of God, that enabling power to obey and live the way he has called us to live. So God has given us the grace for every challenge that we face. We can walk through the stresses and the trials that we're going to face in this life with peace and with victory if we lean on his strength and not our own. If you think about the fact that Christians throughout the ages have faced torture and persecution and death with victory and hope and peace, can we not also trust God for the very same grace to walk through our trials triumphantly? And I've spoken before of women that I so look up to in history, Corey and Betsy Ten Boom, in the midst of their incredible experience with being in a concentration camp and walking through that time, not that it wasn't a struggle, not that there weren't tears and struggles along the way, but that they emerged from that situation victorious. Betsy died with a smile on her face and at peace and forgiving her enemies. And Corey went on to travel the world and talk about the grace of God in the midst of the darkest times. 
And I've talked before about Gladys Aylward, how she really went into China and faced impossible obstacles from the very beginning of her trip. And yet the grace of God enabled her to keep going where human strength would have failed long ago. That kind of victory is impossible in human strength, but with God, all things are possible. So let's look to what the Bible says, not to what our emotions say when we're facing battles and challenges on a daily basis. It's really important to understand that there's a big difference between human willpower and godly victory because willpower only lasts temporarily and it's dependent on our own ability. Godly self-control goes far beyond just that mere human oomph that we try to dig down deep and drum up. It comes through yielding to the Spirit of God and relying on His grace. Victory does not come through striving and trying to gain victory, but through surrendering and letting Him live His life of victory through us. So I want to leave you with two keys to walking in victory in those moments when you're tempted to have some kind of an emotional meltdown. The first one is to believe God's word. Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true, but every man a liar. And it's really easy to pick and choose our truth based on how it makes us feel or to look at the promises of God in scripture and think, well, that has never been true in my life. Therefore, I'm going to not believe it. But we are to say, okay, Lord, if your word says it, you cannot lie. The problem does not lie in the word of God. It's not that God's word is faulty. It's that we are not aligning our lives with the word of God. A lot of women today, as an example, have chosen to disregard Proverbs 31. They say it's unrealistic. It'll just burn you out and exhaust you if you try to live that way. And yet, God didn't put it in the Bible on accident. And if he's going to give us that vision for godly womanhood, he will also give us the grace to live it out. Really, if you're reasoning through the word of God based on emotion, you're going to end up picking and choosing your truth and not really taking God at his word. But if you reason through the word of God with a truth-based approach, you have the attitude that says, if God has called me to this, he will enable me to live it out. I love the fact that the chief word to describe the Proverbs 31 woman is valiant, mighty, and strong. When it says who can find a virtuous woman, it means valiant, mighty, and strong. And if you really look into what that word means and the root of it, it's a miraculous, superhuman, victorious, poured out life that she's living. And the source of her strength does not come from herself. She relies on a power that is not her own. It's the same word to describe David when he was performing his mighty exploits, you know, killing Goliath and killing the lion and the bear with his bare hands. That was supernatural strength. And that same supernatural strength flows through the life of the Proverbs 31 woman. And again, here's another great quote from Elizabeth Elliot. God never issued instructions that he is not prepared to enable us to obey. So don't just look at chapters like Proverbs 31 and roll your eyes at them and say, oh, that's impossible. Ask God for the supernatural strength to live the impossible life that he has called you to live. And you will begin to see the grace of God flow through your life. I once heard a a writer say, you can face any situation if you're willing to get the grace for it. And what that means is you go to God and you ask for the grace. You don't necessarily ask for your circumstances to change or say, well, this is above and beyond what God's grace can enable me to do. You just say, okay, God, if I'm facing this, then I know you have grace for me. So I ask you to give me that grace to do what I could never do in my own strength. It's so life-changing when we tap into the grace of God. 
The second key, so the first key is believing God's word, and the second key is rejecting self-pity. We've done episodes on self-pity before, but when it comes to victory over meltdowns, this is so, so key. We so often want to nurse our wounds and wallow in self-pity. Our culture is constantly telling us things like, you know, you poor thing, your life is so hard, it's okay for you to be miserable and burned out. Very rarely are we encouraged to say no to self-pity or to rise up in the strength of God and resolve to conquer, as Catherine Booth once said. No matter how unique or difficult our particular circumstances may seem, we need to remember that there is no situation that the power of the cross cannot transform. There is no wound that his cleansing blood cannot heal and no situation in which the joy of the Lord cannot be our strength. In fact, the more extreme our circumstances, the more opportunity for his supernatural grace to be demonstrated in all its life-changing power. So choose to say no to self-pity the moment you feel it rising up in your soul and instead say, Lord, I know you've given me everything I need to face this situation with triumph. Some final thoughts that I want to leave you with today. If you are facing struggles and trials and difficulties, walking in victory does not mean that you won't deal with difficult emotions, that you won't ever shed any tears, that you won't struggle through things. But it means that you don't stay in that place of defeat. You rise up to the victory that God has for you through his enabling grace. So look at the struggles that you're facing in your life. Have you been receiving his grace to walk in victory? Or are you letting your emotions and your struggles push you around and be in control. I encourage you to take your cares to the feet of Jesus and allow him to infuse you with his strength. There's a really powerful moment in one of my favorite books called Evidence Not Seen. It's the story of Darlene Dibler when she was captured by the Japanese during the Second World War and they were really persecuting her and torturing her because they thought she was an American spy. And they would take her to this interrogation room and really, really torture her and abuse her and Uh, hit her in the face and do all these terrible things to her, trying to get her to answer their questions. And whenever she would come back from the interrogation room, she would have black eyes and she would be emotionally completely spent and drained. And she would say, God, I can't face another one. I cannot go through that again. Don't let them come back and interrogate me again. And God's answer was always, my grace is sufficient. And every time she surrendered and said, okay, Lord, your grace is sufficient, she was able to rise up and walk through those interrogations triumphantly. She never uh, had a meltdown in those interrogation rooms. That's what they were trying to do. They were trying to break her and get her to give into an emotional meltdown. She never even shed a tear before the Japanese, she said, which is really incredible because she was sick and starving and wasting away and being abused and tortured. And yet God's grace was so powerful. And when you listen to her share her story, even 40 years later, you can hear testimonies of her story online. And what strikes me about her talking about this is that she she cries every time she tells the story. It's so powerful. And yet she's not crying because she remembers the pain that she walked through. She's crying because she remembers the incredible, overwhelming grace of God that was with her, his presence, his comfort, his peace. And she cannot help but testify how powerful it is to abide in his presence and how victorious it is, no matter how desperate your circumstances are. So I encourage you to take your cares to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, your grace is sufficient for me. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like more on living the victorious Christian life, please visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many courses and resources that we have on building your life around Jesus Christ. Have a blessed and Christ-centered week.